Welcome to Making the Brand, the podcast where marketing and pop culture collide. I'm your host, Brianne Fleming. I can't wait to chat about brands, boy bands, and everything in between. Because brands who have a pulse on pop culture can create adoring fans of their own. Today, I am joined by my friend Gina. We're going to be talking about Sex in the City, and I'm so excited because that's pretty much the basis for our friendship a little bit. Like, we've known each other for a while now. Our good friend Katie introduced us, so shout out to Katie. Hey, Katie. (laughs) But yeah, we just love the show, and there's so much that we can take away from it from a marketing standpoint, and Gina, I know you binge watch the show constantly. It's one of your faves and you're also in marketing. So who better to talk to about the show than you? Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so excited. When you reached out, I couldn't think of a better topic because anyone that knows me knows I'm obsessed with sex in the city. And then to just tie it back to what we both do for work, I thought was really intriguing angle. Yeah. Had you ever thought of it in that type of lens before? Um, I haven't, but when you reached out to me initially, I could see the connection there. And now just thinking back to a couple different episodes and then of course, rewatching it like I always do, I could definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. I'm hoping that most people listening to this have seen the show or are fans of the show, but if not, we're going to get into everything and maybe turn some people into fans, but we're alike in the sense that we got into Sex and the City from watching the movie first which uh, came out in 2008. So in 2008, I had just graduated high school and I was about to head off to college and the movie was out. And it was a good time to see the movie because while the series was on, I was like nine or 10 years old. I wasn't really, (laughs) wasn't really, I guess, appropriate for me to be watching it then. And then the movie came out and then I went off to college and my high school boyfriend who I was with for about three years broke up with me. And I was just depressed and I was staying in my dorm room with my roommate, Morgan. And we did this thing where I would buy season one and then she would buy season two on DVD and then I would buy (laughs) three by four. We just binge watched it until I got over that breakup. So it was kind of the perfect show to, uh, to do that with all the heartbreak and relationships and everything going on. So how did you first get into it? I know you saw the movie too. How did it go from there? Yeah, I saw the movie because my friend Kristen in college was obsessed with the show and so was my roommate Melissa and I had never seen it. Obviously, I'd heard about it because it was such a big phenomenon, but my mom didn't watch it either. We didn't have HBO. So when I saw the movie, I wasn't initially into it and I actually did not like Big at first. So didn't think anything of the movie. And then I think a year or two later, E! started running reruns and they were the edited reruns. Mm-hmm. And I kind of got into it that way. And then a couple years later, when I got HBO, I just started it over and you get so much more from the unedited version. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's so relatable. I'm single, but even when I've been in relationships, there's just so much to tie it back to. And it honestly, cracks me up every single time. Um, Katie actually always makes fun of me because I could, anytime I watch it all the way through, I start it back over to season one and every single time the jokes are still funny to me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so funny you bring up big because it's like you always have this sort of love hate 
relationship, yes. you know? Too funny. So when you started watching it, was there a certain character that you felt that, you know, you saw yourself in a little bit more? Or how did you kind of identify with the characters in the storyline? Um, I think originally I could see myself in Carrie, but what I've started to realize is everyone can see themselves in her because she's a combination of all three of the characters. So when I first started watching it, I was like, I'm totally a Carrie. I have this piece of Charlotte and this piece of Miranda and this piece of Samantha. Uh But as I've gotten older, I always say I'm so Miranda to some, like sometimes I cringe thinking about it, but then I'm like, you know, she just owns who she is. And I think her dark, dry sense of humor is totally me. And she's kind of the career woman and that's what drives her. So I'm totally yeah. Miranda. <laughs> yeah. And you know, she kind of gets a, a bad rap for being the Does. pessimist of the show, but she always comes around, you know, yeah. she's really endearing at the end of the day, probably not as endearing as Charlotte with her big heart, but yeah, everyone kind of comes around and ends up liking Miranda. Yeah, definitely Miranda as I've gotten older, I've realized Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So speaking of Carrie, we know that on the show, she was a columnist for the fictional newspaper, the New York Star. And it's just so funny when I watch it to think about just how media consumption has Mm -hmm. changed. Even the term columnist, like you don't even really hear that anymore. Yeah, yeah. So everyone is either a blogger or they're just a journalist who writes online. So I like to think of Carrie as a big inspiration for people who want to start blogs or people who are creating content. She really kind of grows her entire brand and platform Mm -hmm. from from her column and it ends up spinning off into a book and everything. And she's sort of famous in the show. They kind of depict her as this celebrity as the seasons go on. What do you think people who want to start writing or kind of see Carrie and want to put themselves out there, what do you think they can take away from her and and the show? I think she always stayed true to who she was. She was authentic and she always did a great job of, Her angle was fashion, but how can I tie fashion back into relationships and dating and being single in New York City? So that was her approach. I think defining that one brand that you stay loyal to and that's kind of your thing, whether it's lifestyle, fashion, sports, or fitness, and then tying it back to your normal life, just something to always bring it back to. And then also being super relatable and transparent. Um, I think she did a great job of being honest on who she was and admitting her flaws in the column. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like when you come across a blogger or someone on social media who it's just always rainbows and butterflies. Of course, yeah. the content looks that way, but I love when you click on a post and somebody talks about just normal day-to-day life and things that they're going through. And I think she did a fantastic job of doing that. Yeah. It's kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly with all yes. her, her conquests. <laughs> For sure. And she was fearless in her writing, too. I mean, one, to be talking about sex. I mean, it doesn't really get more transparent than that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think, yeah, that's a great lesson for bloggers and people who are trying to develop their personal brand is that living your truth and writing your truth is going to be the most relatable thing versus having this facade of, of who you are, you know? Totally agree. I also love how you tied in how like her platform was primarily fashion. Like she always had this 
lens that she wrote through. She talked about sex, but would also compare it to fashion and have all these different facets of her personality. And it's kind of like what I'm doing with this podcast. You know, I, at the end of the day, it's about marketing, but the pop culture angle is something that I love personally. And the more that I can kind of fuse those two together, I think it, you know, it makes it more memorable, but also more relatable, as you said. Yeah. And I think it helps people understand better. Like you are pitching fantastic marketing tips, but always drawing it back to someone. I think I read a blog that you did or a post about Taylor Swift and what she does with her music and her branding Mm -hmm. and how you put that together to give someone tips. And I, I always think tying it back to something and giving an example is great. Um, and similar to Carrie Bradshaw, I don't know if you remember the episode when she starts writing for Vogue and she gets there and they redline her whole article because yeah. they wanted her to write, you know, these shoes with this bag or this. And she's like, no, I just, I write about fashion, but I write about relationships. And she kind of stuck true to who she was. And I feel like that's what you do with your whole 90s angle. Well, which I thank love. you. <laughs> thank you. And I feel like really I've sort of, it didn't come to me right away to kind of fuse those two together. I, as you know, I left the corporate world like a year ago and I had, I had a pop culture blog over here and then I had a marketing blog over here and then I had an Instagram that was just like for family and friends. And I'm like, gosh, I'm, I'm competing and trying to build a following on all these different areas. And it hit me one day that the pop culture angle could be how I talk about marketing and family and everything that makes it memorable and makes it stand out. And it wasn't until I really fused those two that I finally felt like myself. You know, I wasn't trying to be like all professional and doing marketing on this channel and then being myself over here and doing 90s throwbacks over here. So yeah, I think the more people can just lean into whatever Mm -hmm. it is that they love or whatever it is that is their, their quirk about them, like that's what makes you different. And I think that's, such an important lesson. I think people, you know, I'm not a blogger, so I can't really speak for them. But what I've noticed is people, they want to start out and they've got a bunch of different angles, or maybe they're pursuing one thing and it's not working out and they're afraid to make that shift. But I think even for me in the corporate world, it's you start a project or a campaign and you're working on it, but things are going to change daily by the hour. So it's just learning to adapt to those changes and It's not always easy to do, but I think, you know, like I said before, staying true to who you are and your brand or whatever the branding of that campaign is, but adapting to the flows is a great lesson to keep in mind in marketing. Yeah. Yeah. You got to just lean into who you are and own it because otherwise you just blend in and it's harder for people to, you know, become attracted to you and your content because it feels, it doesn't feel authentic, especially on social media where everything seems so crowded and everyone seems like an influencer. Like you have to kind of have that edge of what makes you different. Absolutely. Have you ever thought about starting a blog or gotten any personal inspiration from Carrie? I've wanted to start something. I just don't know what my angle is. Mm-hmm. Like saying before, you know, hers was fashion, yours is sort of pop culture. I don't know what my one topic to always tie it back to. And you do need to stand out. You can't just blog to start blogging. So I've thought about it. Maybe this is a good angle. How can you tie anything in life back to sex in the city? Yeah. Um, 
So definitely something to ponder about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's funny you, you word it that way. It's like when Carrie always says, I couldn't help but wonder. I couldn't help but wonder. <laughs> <laughs> you can start off every post that way. Right? I couldn't help but wonder. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't help but wonder.com. I wonder if that's <laughs> I was reading this book. It's actually the, the textbook for one of my classes. It's called Stand Out. How to, how to Find Your Breakthrough Idea and Build a Following Around It by Dory Clark. And she says one of the best ways that you start to understand your niche and where you want to go with your content is to ask those questions and challenge the mm-hmm. social norms. And that's really what Carrie does. With every column she writes, she has, she has it rooted in some bigger question where she's kind of challenging what society thinks about relationships or what's, what's normal and what's not. Can you think of maybe any favorite episodes or big themes um, from any of her columns, anything that really resonated with you? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot trying to think of one. Favorite episodes. Um, I do, I kind of like in the beginning when people are still speaking to the camera, you know, the random characters like construction guy or this. (laughs) Because you just get different people's point of views and the way I would think of that now is if it was a blog and it was different people's comments on there or if you were taking a poll and it's hard to pick one episode. I mean, I definitely have favorite scenes. Um, Any scene with Miranda kind of adding in her two cents or her humor is always good to me because I'm your typical female and hopeless romantic. I love any scene where Carrie tells big off because you just know he's going to come around in the end, but I kind of live for it. Mm -hmm. Those are always my best. And just the scenes where they keep it real, like, you know, staying at a guy's house for the first time, or there's an episode, everyone always laughs that I say, this is one of my favorite, but like when Carrie passes gas in front of big, it's just, so it's keeping it authentic. So maybe TMI there, but that's always a favorite one. Um, I don't know the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny too. Cause again, that's, it's those moments that might not be super glamorous or, you know, super fun to share mm-hmm. with people, but it's, it's once you become vulnerable, like that's, that's why so many people resonate with the show. It's cause they've all had those experiences, whether it's an embarrassing moment or not, that's, that's how you can relate to things. Yeah, I think that's why the show did so well because it was the first peak inside women's minds. I don't think men or even, I I guess I should say men, other women, we all know what we talk about when we're with our friends, but I don't think men had an understanding of that. So here's the show that came out in the late nineties and it sort of paved the way or changed television. And I think at the time the Sopranos came out right after that. And they always say those are the two shows that really just changed up TV as far as like what they showed, what they spoke about. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's why it did so well is because they kept it real. And it was also so shocking, but in the best way. Yeah. Yeah. It it was shocking, but also at the same time, it's like, huh, that's kind of true. I can kind of relate. It's so true. (laughs) Yeah. Any any brunch scene is usually gold because that's where they, again, kind of keep it real and they have those real talks and just, yeah, like mm-hmm. you said, get into women's minds. I can't really think of a show either that did that, did that in such an in-depth 
kind of uncensored, unfiltered way, especially yeah. Samantha's comments. <laughs> oh my God. Hers are, some of them are so ridiculous, but that's why I love it because, you know, we all have di different friends in the group and I think people only looked at females as wanting to be in a relationship and have the partner. And she was kind of that character that stood out that was like, no, I don't want any of that. And I think that was so great. I also think HBO at the time really changed television. If you think about it, people at the time, and they still do pay for that. So that was sort of kind of the world's first taste into a subscription in a sense, because people pay for it. And I think that's why it delivered so well is because they knew that there was this audience that was paying to see great TV. And I think at the time HBO really just featured late night fights and stuff like that. So think about it. HBO kind of changed the game very early on. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And it just reminds me of what brands can learn from, you know, I talk a lot about, if brands should be discounting their products and giving things away. And it turns out people are willing to pay a premium for great products, great TV, great entertainment. So that's a really good example of that. I'm always willing to pay more. I, I mean, I pay my $15.99 or whatever it is a month to continue watching Sex in the City. But yeah. I think when it comes to the latest phones or just anything, fashion, if you know it's quality, you're going to pay for it. And plus, I love anything that's a subscription these days. I think regular television altogether should be a subscription. I only do Apple TV, but I think that's how regular broadcast should go. You pick the channels you want and you pay for them. I don't want to pay for all of this other stuff I'm not going to use. Yeah. It reminds me of the episode where Samantha and Carrie go to get knockoff purses out of that guy's yes. <laughs> like, nope, I can't do it. Can't do it. Can't be a fraud. Yeah, no. You know, she has her shoe obsession, which I, I learned that's actually something that's true to Sarah Jessica Parker. I saw her on the Today Show the other day. That's a real trait about her that I think she ended up writing into Carrie's character because that's just who she is. But she's really become a fashion icon and just a symbol for New York. Can you talk yeah. about that and what you think she's done for New York and just fashion and that whole dream of moving to New York and pursuing what you want to do and what you love? Yeah. I mean, I think you hear girls say all the time or, you know, that's so Carrie Bradshaw, or I think anytime someone thinks of shoes, they think of Carrie Bradshaw. And like you were saying, Sarah Jessica Parker, that's kind of her piece and something that she's passionate about as well. And she's got her whole SJP shoe line. But I think whenever people look at her, they still always see Carrie. And I think we've all had that dream or a majority of us. I know I wanted to move to New York and I attempted that after college and it didn't work out. However, um, you know, as you go through life, you learn that things don't always work out, but for a reason. But I had this vision of Carrie Bradshaw in her apartment. And I think people chase that. So the show did a really good job of creating a, a whole, I don't know how to word it, like female, I guess, mindset. And then whenever you think of fashion week, you think of Carrie Bradshaw. Whenever you think of Paris, you think of Carrie Bradshaw. So they did a really good job of creating their own brand, which is Carrie Bradshaw. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because you don't see a lot of 
fictional characters really become icons. Like, you know, Jennifer Lopez is a fashion icon because of her yes. Versace dress and things like that. But, mm -hmm. you know, this is a fictional character that people resonated with so much. And she created this lifestyle that she really built all on her own. I think it's a huge takeaway for women that you don't really need a man to buy your <laughs> Manolo, Blahnik, <laughs> Manolo Blahnik shoes, you know? No, and even Samantha, I think when somebody thinks of PR, they're always thinking of Samantha Jones and kind of running their own PR agency. And her and Carrie were very different and they have different brands, but it just goes to show you, you know, staying true to yourself and your brand and what interests you. So I think the show gave us like the Samantha Jones PR girl and Carrie Bradshaw for sure. Yeah, it's funny. My, um, like I mentioned, I got into the show like my freshman year of college and I initially declared a, myself as a journalism major. So I wanted to write. And I remember my first semester, I took English Composition 101 or whatever, like that first <laughs> English classes. And we could write on anything we wanted for like the whole semester. And I was like, I'm going to be like Carrie Bradshaw. I just got broken up with. I'm going to write about relationships. Oh my God, I love that. <laughs> yeah. So I somehow convinced my professor to like let my English thesis be about heartbreak or something. And I had all these scholarly sources from the library about relationships and stuff. I ended up deviating a little bit, but I switched from journalism to PR because a couple semesters later, my first... Uh, intro to news reporting class. It was my first class within the journalism program. One of our assignments was to write an obituary. And I was like, wow. Yeah, I don't know. Granted, I wouldn't be writing obituaries necessarily if I became a journalist. But the thing, the other piece that they were teaching us is that if you're a journalist, you have to be so sort of investigative. And they were teaching us how to ask those really hard questions if someone's gone through a loss, all these really sad things. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if I want to, I'm not the type of person that likes to pry <laughs> and ask questions. So I ended up switching to PR and I found it was a fun way that I could still write. I could still be creative. And it was just much, a much more like lively career. I think it was a good choice. Do you have any of those writing pieces about the relationships? Oh my gosh. Something so funny to kind of bring back, you know, maybe a glance at when you first started writing or your version of being Carrie Bradshaw. And I personally would just love to read that. Yeah, I'll have to look. I wonder if I could log into like my UCF portal and see like when I turned it in and stuff. I'm sure I have it somewhere. It's probably really embarrassing. <laughs> like you I know. Dear diary. Um. <laughs> yeah, but it goes, it's a good reminder that I feel like people are most compelled to write when they have these emotions that they're going through. And like, like I said, I was with this guy for a while and I just had no outlet besides watching mm -hmm. Sex in the City and trying to express myself. And I think, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who want to start blogs and they're at different stages of their lives. And a lot of them are mothers now and they want to talk about mm -hmm. dating, you know, the difficulties of being a first time mom or all these, all these different things. Like no matter what it is, writing like Carrie does is still such a really beautiful expression of, of yourself and getting your emotions out. We write on different platforms now. I think writing's always going to be around. It's the best way for people to express themselves, just putting it all out there on paper. But now it would just be a blog or maybe a post on Instagram. It's more engaging now. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I think people read her column. I, I talk people read her column as if she's like a real person, but <laughs> they probably wanted to reach out and say, hey, I'm going through the same thing or hey, this made me laugh. So I think what's great about today, um, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, the demise of the newspaper. And, and that is unfortunate in a sense. However, you just access it in a different way, but now you can engage with it. So I think, you know, to put a marketing angle on it, in my role, I've worked a lot with social media influencers and bloggers. And when we scouted people out, and this is when I was on the PR side, so it, it wasn't paid partnerships, but we were still loaning things to them. So we were working with micro influencers, but we stopped looking at the amount of followers or likes someone had. We started to scroll through their comments and see how did they engage with the people reaching out. Because you know, they could drive a Toyota and post their honest feedback about it, whether they liked it or didn't. Um, and I should probably mention that I work for Toyota in here. So that's kind of how that came in. Yeah. But it's those people that comment back or liked the comments of the person. So I think if the show was out now and Carrie Bradshaw was a fictional character today, she'd have a blog, but she'd probably even have more content for it because people would just be writing in and sending her ideas. Yeah, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. I always say you have to keep social media social. Like you can't just post and write and expect expect Mm -hmm. to take off like that's the whole beauty of it is you have this this two-way communication and yeah as you mentioned if Carrie was doing this today I I think of the episode where she meets that fangirl who was like that yes the intern (laughs) yeah yeah and she was like oh my god I read your column and like you know I when I have a friend or someone that tells me they read my blog post I kind of have that same it like it never gets old for me to Mm -hmm. hear someone say that I think it's a it's really gratifying when people in real time can engage with what you're, what you're writing. You put your heart and soul into these pieces and then to put them out in print and to have it be yesterday's news, so to speak, mm-hmm. it, it's not as rewarding, I don't think. Yeah. And I, like I said, I'm not a blogger, but I've listened to a lot of different podcasts about blogging and kind of creating your own social brand. And a lot of them say, I didn't make a dime off of this for the first three years, or I didn't have a ton of followers. So I think an important lesson for anyone wanting to start out is knowing it's not going to happen overnight and it could potentially take years, but at least you get to perfect your craft in those years. Yeah. And you can't be in it just to make money. Like you you have to write or have this topic or something that you love and just do it because it's, it's your passion and Mm -hmm. it's kind of what's, What's bringing us together today? (laughs) Um, It's kind of going backwards, but it made me, when you were talking about how you wrote about the relationships in your class, now that I think back to college, I got, my major was public communication and then I did a certificate in sociology. And in a lot of those sociology classes, we, you know, talked about women's studies. And one of them, I wish I could remember the name of the book, but there was a chapter that talked about how sex in the city kind of changed the mindset of women and relationships today. I wish I, I'm going to have to go back and dig because I would love now that I watch the show, because that's when I wasn't watching it. I would love to kind of read through that. Yeah. I mean, it's totally, if it's in a textbook, it's totally a testament to what it's done for yes. pop culture and just, just women. And again, I keep going back to Samantha. Like you said, she challenged how women should be like they're not always these refined people who want relationships all the time like she 
she was out of the box and was unapologetically mm-hmm. herself. So I think that's, that's a lesson that we can take away with any piece of content we write, anything we put out there is just be vulnerable, be yourself. But also the last piece, just talking about how media has changed. I'm sure mm-hmm. Carrie Bradshaw hypothetically would have had to submit writing samples and get hired yeah. as this columnist. But today everyone has a channel and I think it's, I think it's kind of disheartening sometimes that more people don't take advantage of it and are fearful to put themselves out there and, and write publicly. So I hope you'll start a blog. I'll definitely. I know. It's definitely something to think about after this for sure. Mm -hmm. I think one last thing I'll mention is that once you start doing it, your audience steers you in that direction and will help you realize what your niche should be and what people Mm -hmm. are gravitating toward. And it helps you get more refined. Yeah, I think it's that initial start that would be hard, but you touched on something before. I think it's just when you start writing whatever it's about, it's going writing for you, not really so much writing for an audience at first. Obviously, that's going to change when people provide their feedback on what they want more of. Mm -hmm. But I think the initial start is just truly jotting it all down. And from there, things will kind of grow and change. Instead of pretending to be interested in something that you're not passionate about. Yeah, that's why I'm loving I'm loving your blog. Not just saying that, but as I go through it and I'm in marketing, I'm like, God, this is a really good tip to keep in mind at work. And you keep it short and sweet. It's not something super elaborate. And then just tying it back to something is perfect. So I've subscribed and I hope everyone else will as well. <laughs> Thank you. No, again, thank you so much for hopping on here. I'm so excited to have you as my first guest. I think you you hit on a lot of really insightful things about the show that people glance over and, and forget, but it's really iconic for so many different reasons, just what it's done for women, but also just media and mm-hmm. not being afraid to have a voice and to put yourself out there. So is there any anything else you want to touch on before we close um, out? No, but one, I feel like we can make a whole podcast about how sex in the city is changed to the world and you could tie it back to marketing. But two, um, I listen to a lot of different podcasts and most of them are about marketing or kind of entrepreneurship and self-help stuff. But one that I found is interesting, not related to any of those. It's a podcast called Origins. And the, I guess the speaker on that one goes back to, it seems like shows in the 90s and just talks about the creation of them and how they started. So he's got three episodes on Sex in the City and it's all of them except for um, Kim Cattrall speaking through it. So they talked about the character development and the filming of it. So if you're interested on how shows are created and it's kind of that timepiece and it talks about the late 90s, it's definitely something interesting. So Origins and it's by James Andrew Miller. So if you are wanting to geek out on anything sex in the city, not marketing related, but no, anything. I love anything behind the scenes. Me too. Love it. All right, Gina. Well, thank you so much. This has been so fun to be continued. We can probably even do this by episode. Yeah, we could. (laughs) Sex in the city and break it down and do all these takeaways. But thank you so much for having me. No, thank you. If you want to follow Gina on Instagram, you can find her at Gina underscore Arcerio. A-R-S-E-R-I-O. 
If you're a fan of this podcast, be sure to subscribe or better yet, leave a review. You can also join our Facebook group called Making the Brand Groupies for real-time pop culture discussions you can actually learn from. As always, thanks for listening.